Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernell-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. Let's start off with our first guest, Amanda Ewing, uh, in charge of all things legislative and political organizing here at OEA. Amanda, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. Um, so, you know, it's interesting because nobody's at the Capitol and yet so much is happening. Um, all the things are going on. Wait, let me get my popcorn. I know. <laughs> Let's uh, <laughs> talk about, I think the first thing that's on everybody's mind is the budget uh, weirdness that's happening right now. There are, I mean, this has everything. It has, <laughs> it has like... <laughs> The governor is is threatening to not meet. The legislative leaders are suing the governor. The board of equalization is involved somehow. Um, what what is happening? Is it a soap opera or a Saturday Night Live skit? We don't know. <laughs> what is happening, Amanda? Please tell us what on earth okay, is going on. So, just as a reminder, uh, last week the legislature passed bills to try to fund our government through this budget shortfall. And the governor responded saying uh, he wasn't going to sign one of them, and he canceled the Board of Equalization meeting, uh, and the Board of Equalization has to meet and declare a revenue failure for uh, one of these bills to take effect and fund the government. So that's where we left off last week, and uh, this week's episode includes <laughs> the pro tem, the House uh, Speaker, and the two uh, Senate and House budget chairs mm-hmm. filing a lawsuit at the Oklahoma Supreme Court saying, look, we are trying to do our job as yeah. a legislature to fund the government, and uh, the Board of Equalization is constitutionally obligated to meet and declare a revenue failure, and since they're not doing that, they're pre- they're, they're preventing us from doing our job, okay. basically. So they asked the Supreme Court in this lawsuit that they filed on, on Tuesday okay. to uh, make a decision and, and try to, you know, declare that the board has to meet. So then has the Supreme Court responded or did they decide to take the case or did they, what, what did they say? They did. They did. They issued uh, a, a, I don't know, kind of an opinion yesterday uh-huh. saying uh, that the Board of Equalization has to get it together and uh, give their side of this fight to them in writing on Monday. And then on Tuesday, they said they were going to have an oral argument in front of a, a panel of three justices. Oh, okay. So, so, but that's not all. Okay. Um, <laughs> but wait, there's more. Then later in the day yesterday, the Board of Equalization put out a meeting notice saying that they oh, are going okay. to meet at okay. 3 o'clock on Monday. So I'm not sure exactly what that is going to look like because mm-hmm. the governor hasn't actually spoken on this issue. So it's, I mean, oh. it's not clear, you know, I don't know if somebody else, if they've called the meeting without him, if they're trying to circumvent him or if he has just caved but hasn't uh, officially announced it yet. So we're all going to watch on Monday. I, I have the sense that they will get together and declare the revenue failure and we will finally just move on with funding, uh, you know, the rest of this fiscal year. Um, And of course, once they do that, then the the legislature can look forward and figure out the budget for the next fiscal year, which is normally what they're going to be doing this time of year. We we don't have a revenue failure. So, okay. So just to be clear before, so as of last week, the government was funded through the end of April with 
you know, May and June uncertain. And so it the, that hinges on this Board of Equalization meeting. If they get, if they get together and declare a um, revenue failure. A rev, thank you. <laughs> I need all my vocab terms here. Um, Use your words. If they, if they declare a revenue failure, then those other bills will uh, – the, what the legislature did will cover May and June, correct? Everything will be funded That's through correct. the risk. Okay. How does so? How does that work? The governor doesn't have to sign those. Sign the third bill. Well, so he didn't sign this one bill that you know is this point of contention, and uh, he claims that since he didn't have the board of equalization meet, that bill didn't take effect. But what the legislature is saying is just like any other bill uh, during session, the, le- the the governor either had to veto it. Or if he chose not to sign it, it just automatically becomes law. I mean, when the legislature is in session this time of year, you know, you have five days to either sign it or veto it. And if you do nothing, it becomes law. So they're saying bill's already law. We just need the board to meet. And then, you know, everything's good to go. So, okay. So they haven't actually put out an agenda, like a a regular agenda. They haven't said, yes, we're for sure going to declare a SERP or a Revenue failure. Thank you. Oh my gosh, <laughs> um, they haven't they haven't officially said they're going to do that. But are we expecting them to do that? I mean, that would be the only reason for them to meet at this point, right? I think so. I can't. I don't know why else they would they would have a meeting. That's yeah. like their only function. Yeah, <laughs> this is such a, like a fascinating minutia of state government. We're all now like learning a lot about. Right. Like sands through the hourglass. <laughs> These are the days of our legislature. And they <laughs> and they still haven't, uh, the, either chamber hasn't said anything about coming back at this point, right? We're still like. Cor- correct. I mean, as far as addressing this issue, they, they were pretty clear they were not coming back again yeah. to pass any more bills. They, you know, they passed what they had to and they were done for now. Okay. But. I do think, you know, in, in May, we'll see them, we'll definitely see them come back to pass a budget for the next right. fiscal year that starts right. in July 1 of this year. Um, and then then the question is, you know, how, um, it, it just how bad things still are, whether mm-hmm. or not they're able to come in and spend a little more time and work on some policy issues, or do they have to just get in and out within the course of a couple of days and yeah. the budget's all they're able to do? That That's still very much up in the air. We're still in a holding pattern. Well, um, switching gears, uh, candidate filing. That happened last week. Um, it was still going on while we chatted last week on the podcast, um, but wrapped up on uh, Friday evening. Have you guys had a chance to start looking at who's running and who is not running? Yes, we have. We've started to sift through all of the uh, information. So we kind of have the top lines right now. Mm-hmm. And, and the biggest takeaway right uh, from the beginning is that uh, 48 of 126 races have already been decided. It's just crazy to me. Um, yeah, those are those are people that filed and didn't get an opponent, and so that race is done. Uh, including one guy in Miami, Steve Bayshore is his name. Uh-huh. He, um, you know, he's never run for office before, and uh, the incumbent representative Loring didn't uh-huh. run for re-election. So this guy just filled out the paperwork and now he's a representative. Wow. wow. And and representative Loring announced that a while ago that he was yeah, that he wasn't, wasn't going to Yeah. I mean, it just nobody else decided to run, I guess. Um were there any so other know, Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, we know um that there are about 78 races left. Mm-hmm. And of those, one third of them are going to be decided in the primary on June 30th. So wow. 
you know, OEA is always heavily involved in elections, and, and that means we've got a lot of work to do between now and June 30th to make sure we're electing some, some good folks uh, to during those primaries. Definitely. And that, you know, gosh, that is a lot. And, it, and it's such a different year. You know, it's not going to be door knocking necessarily, um, hitting the ground running person to person stuff like it normally is. It's going to be a lot of phone calling, I'm guessing, to campaign. I think that's exactly right. I think phone calls are really going to be where it's at on our on our campaign strategies mm-hmm. this year. Social media is going to be uh, bigger than it usually is, mm-hmm. and, and that's going to be a challenge to figure out. You know, how do you cut through? I mean, there's so much noise on social media and mm-hmm. so many people talking. Yeah, how do you really move the needle in an election um, through you know online? Uh, advocacy. So we're we're trying to figure that out at OEA. I know that yeah. lots of uh, candidates are are working on figuring that out. Well, I think you'll see some new new strategies, new technologies, and and new ways of communicating about politics in, in the coming months. And I was just thinking about like that. I have there have been a couple of times that I've can have had candidates knock on my door, and I always am so appreciative of it appreciative of it and I want to chat with them and learn about them and meet them but if people knock on my door now I'm like what are you doing why are you out what are you like get off my porch <laughs> yeah I mean you can't go knocking on people's doors right now and unfortunately I mean that is the biggest yeah. factor in an election that is the one thing a candidate can do I mean along with raising money frankly sure. but sure. you know knocking on doors is um you know that sways the the largest number of voters yeah uh when it you know when it comes to campaigning and so it's going to be hard for a lot of people to figure out you know how how they're going to sway those voters without that face-to-face interaction um so speaking of uh candidates we have some of our very own running for office this this time around Yes, always. OEA members, you know, are, are always in the mix. Yep. And so uh, we have 12 OEA members uh, running for the state legislature. Mm-hmm. And then we have one retired member running for Corporation Commission uh, against Commissioner Todd Hyatt. Uh, so we've got 13 uh, great candidates to uh, get involved with and, and figure out how to how to support in this new new era. Yeah. And uh, I was trying to count up how many, I mean, there are a lot of candidates who don't have uh, their info up yet, still early, but um, w- there are at least 37 uh, education candidates, folks who are teaching all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, college professors and um, elementary school teachers, you know, everybody Tired. in between. Yeah. 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 It's, I, um, I, I love seeing, I love seeing educators, uh, step up like that. I think I know it's definitely outside. I think of, um, educators comfort zone <laughs> to do something like that, but, um, I think it's exciting. I, I've always say, why wouldn't you want a teacher in the legislature? We are lifelong learners. Mm-hmm. We know how to talk to different constituency groups mm-hmm. from administrator to parent to our students. Mm-hmm. We know how to differentiate instruction, which goes along really well over there. If you listen, if you can wrangle a group of sixth graders, then you can do anything, basically. Right. I mean, honestly. <laughs> and many parents are figuring that out as they're teaching their own kids. <laughs> Well, it's so a, I think we go ahead. We have a pretty excellent example of somebody uh, that that's yeah. going to do great. Um, Joanna Dossett is one of our OEA members. Yes. And she's an elementary school teacher. She teaches in Owasso. Uh, she's running for state senate in Tulsa, uh-huh. and you know she's been 
real active in OEA. She's been on our legislative committee, and so she knows, you know, she's known the legislative issues for yeah. a long time anyway. Yeah, she gets and, it. And that's somebody I just, I feel like if we can get her in the Senate, um, she's going to be a voice of reason, yeah. and she's going to be somebody that's, awesome. that's able to uh, deal with, you know, I mean, we're seeing right now, right, the governor mm-hmm. and the legislature, uh, sometimes sometimes you need a teacher to bring order to some things, and, and <laughs> I know Joanna will be great in the legislature. That's awesome. Well, good. Well, we can't wait to to follow along and see who all is, you know, how this all plays out. I mean, it seems like the next, what, like two and a half months are going to be a total sprint. Yeah. They are. You know, we know that um, conversations with voters closer to the election are, are more imp- impactful mm-hmm. on their votes than, you know, those further out. And mm-hmm. so, we're, we're getting our kind of plans together over the next few weeks, and it'll really be those six weeks before the yeah. primary election leading up to June 30th, where OEA is going to be super active and, and really trying to have those conversations about who the pro-public education candidates are, who the incumbents are. There are a lot of good incumbents who have yeah. been supportive of public education that we need to protect. And mm-hmm. so we'll make sure everybody knows kind of who those folks are and, and what we can do to, to help them out. And that's a definite, and I would say that is a nonpartisan thing. There are great candidates and great incumbents on both sides of the aisle. That's absolutely right. Education policy should not be about partisan politics. Agreed. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for joining us. We appreciate the work you're doing and keeping up with all of the ins and outs of the shenanigans. You, we appreciate your time very much. Thanks so much, y'all. This morning, we're joined by Melissa Lau, our president out at the Piedmont Association of Educators and also a longtime uh, science teacher at Piedmont Intermediate. Melissa, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, we um, we wanted to chat with you about distance learning and how it's going for you because it's just, it looks different all over the state and um, you've got lots of teaching experience. And so from your perspective, like, how has it been going? How have, how have um, your lessons and your methods and everything changed now that you're um, distance, distance teaching? Is that a term, distance teaching? It is now. We'll yeah. say. <laughs> so how, yeah. how's it been going? Um, I think it's been going as well as can be expected. Sure. Um, I feel like um, our our state superintendent and our state board of education had some foresight in giving us those two extra weeks. Definitely. After our spring break to kind of get our collective ducks in a row mm-hmm. uh, before launching on April 6th with, um, with lessons. Um, I think that that was really beneficial for a lot of us um, to start wrapping our heads around what is this going to look like? And it gave our districts time to get somewhat of a plan uh, put together Mm -hmm. very quickly and make sure our our, uh, families had what they needed to be successful with this. Um, But I think the main change, uh, I was kind of reflecting on that this week now that we're two weeks into this process. Yeah is I'm, I'm finding myself changing my vernacular a lot with my students. Um, How so? Trying to move away from the traditional um, classroom language that we would use. Like, this is an assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is, you know, because then they associate that with grading. And, um, yeah. you know, well, what do I have to do to be able to earn the grade? And 
that paradigm shift hasn't happened for a lot of my students. And I teach sixth grade, which, you know, at that age God level, they're you. not super self-motivated learners anyway. Right. Um, and they need more guidance and they need more motivation externally. Um, but, you know, I think that it hasn't quite sunk in yet that, you know, this isn't graded, but yes, you need to complete this task before I can assess whether or not you've mastered this skill. Um, right. The, the, the words that we're using now, this is an opportunity to extend your learning is pretty yeah. nebulous to a yeah. six <laughs> elementary or middle school student. Yeah. I feel, sure. yeah. yeah. Middle school is like, They're wait, like, so I don't okay, have well, to do it. I, <laughs> I opt out of that opportunity. You know, I mean, right. it, it, yeah. Man. And, and I don't really have any other kind of leverage. And so right, right. it's, um, so it's just a matter of, you know, you know, I started using the term tasks with them. Mm. You need to, you know, here's a, a certain task. And then on at, toward the end of this task list, there's a way for me to be able to, um, to I'm still using the word assess, but um, I don't know of a better word. Yeah. Um, there's a way for me to assess the skill that you are practicing all week. So no, I don't need to see these things, your practice. I don't need to see your practice. I need to see your game. And, um, and that's kind of how I've shifted this week with them. And it's gone a little bit more smoothly. I haven't had, well, wait a minute, what do I have to turn in? What do I have to turn in? Um, and this week's lessons, um, I put in there specifically, you need to submit this. This does not need to be submitted, but it does need to be completed before this task. Um, I don't know, you know, I mean, the kids who are going to, self-motivate are are going to do that and my my hope is to keep the lessons interesting and engaging enough um that the ones that maybe don't will still tune into the lesson at least to watch the videos and to uh, um, glean what they can from that if they don't do the follow-up tasks that go along with those videos um that they're still they're still getting something um, that helped progress them through their educational experience. So you're teaching them science and intrinsic motivation. Yeah. That's kind of a and, tall order. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all at the same time, which is what you do normally. Right, uh, sure, <laughs> right, just yeah. from a distance. Yeah, and that is something else I, you know, that first week I was so overwhelmed and it was stressful and that weekend hit and I was like, I'm just as exhausted as I would be if I were <laughs> teaching in my classroom. Yeah. How is this possible? <laughs> and, um, you know, if not more. Right. And right. I think I came to the epiphany last weekend of I am using the exact same skill set that I would use in my classroom as far as management and sure. multitasking. I'm just having to apply it into a new format. I have the skills I need. I just need to apply them in a different way. And so once I had that mindset going into this week, I feel like for me, it went a lot more smoothly um, than than the week before. So what would a typical distance learning lesson look like, Melissa? Um, So, yeah, we actually used um, the HyperDoc um, template that you can find on the State Department's website. Um, we just modified it to where instead of it, it was like a kind of almost like a 5e, uh, explore, engage, engage, explore, explain, um, kind of model, lesson model. Um, we just modified it to be 
the first box is do this before our Zoom meeting. <laughs> right. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and mm. extension activities. Um, because, again, our, our middle school students just need need to know a little bit more how to break down mm-hmm. the task. Um, so, yeah, so typically they would get this um, agenda document. And this agenda document has everything that they need for the week. Um, and then links, uh, in, and we're using Google Classroom. Um, and then in the Google Classroom assignment are the links to the other, um, you know, documents that they might have to edit or create um, to be able to complete their weekly tasks. Um, so, yeah, so on Monday, that actually our lessons go live for the next week uh, on Friday. Mm. So they kind of have the weekend to yeah. kind of figure out their new the next week's schedule, who needs what devices and, and such. Oh, that's and, smart. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, so they are, um, sorry. Yeah, they so they get this document and uh, they watch a video. Um, it's usually one that I've made for them. And they, uh, then on Monday, their task is, you know, to move them and progress them through the lesson. Um, but I've had to change what I would do in a week had to pare it down. Typically what I'm doing um, in five, giving them five days to complete is really something I would probably do in the classroom in two to three. Mm, Right. (laughs) They just need more time to complete Mm -hmm. um, their learning. And so, um, yeah, so they, it's, it's been a mind shift. It's been a, a paradigm shift for me just because I needed to have that, um, to have that ability to be flexible with my students. Mm -hmm. Um, They're doing the best they can with what they have, you know, and so are we. And they all have different (laughs) things. They all have different resources. Yeah. Yeah. And their parents all have, you know, are dealing with different kinds of um, stressors Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, are they going to have a job or not? How are they going to pay bills? Are they working from home? So they're on all the devices. So the kids can only work, you know, At a certain time. And, I mean, we've right. All those and everybody's things. on the internet all at once, yeah. and so bandwidth is you know stressed to its max, and people are getting kicked off of meetings, and I am too. And <laughs> it's that's so fun when the student becomes the host of the classroom. And you just <laughs> yeah. hope that they let you back in when you come back in. Hello, can so, I go? Back so far, that's all worked well. That probably but hasn't happened in your regular classroom where you just end up in the no, hallway no. and you're like, guys, can yeah. I please come back in? Yeah. Yeah. I can just like, I have a key. I can't <laughs> it, no problem. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a bit of a shift, but yeah, yeah our typically our week just, it's, um, you know, we tried to break it down to, we look at the, the standard that we're wanting to teach and like, what do they have to know from this? Yeah. Like, what do they have to know? Right. And if they have to know, um, you know, that, you know, the, the way particles move because of uh, thermal energy uh, increase or decrease, mm-hmm. then how do we get that accomplished virtually? Right. Um, you know, and then science, the struggle is, you know, we usually do labs and demonstrations. And so right. now it's us kind of videoing labs or finding online virtual um, resources for them to be able to manipulate at home. Um but, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, every day is an adventure. For sure. So what are, what are things that you think that 
Are there things that you have picked up or, or done differently? Like, I mean, this is so dramatically different that you think, you know what, I'm going to start doing this when school goes back to normal. Like I'm going to take, I, I like the way right. that this is working and I'm going to just do it this way when we are back together. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a lot of feedback from my students that they really like that they kind of get to work at their own pace. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. If it takes them a little longer to complete a task, then they've got the next day to finish it up and no big deal. And mm-hmm. we do try to pace our lessons so that they're, you know, there's usually a low, an easy day. Like on this day, all you got to do is watch a video. Mm-hmm. So if you need to finish up something from the day before, mm-hmm. you know, watch this five minute video and then, you know, finish up, take another 10 minutes to finish up what you didn't quite finish the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Friday, we try to make sure in our science classes that Friday, is a just hey if you've not finished your task for the for this week um this is your day to get caught up and if you need to use that time to get caught up on math or on ela or whatever then then you have that time too and if you're all caught up then go check out these extension activities they're super fun Mm -hmm. but um yeah i i'm not sure how it would look but i think it's really helped me um, you know, to be able to let students kind of work at their own pace. I don't know with 160 students all working at their own pace <laughs> yeah. in a traditional classroom setting. I don't know if that is going to carry over so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see myself really streamlining my lessons. And um, I'm really already, I'm already starting thinking and analyzing, you know, what do we do that's extraneous? Like, mm-hmm. what do we do that we feel is important, but really is not important? Yeah, it's a, it's and, a philosophical, um, I think, I think a lot of teachers are thinking about that exact issue. Like, what are the very critical things? And what are things that maybe I've always done it this way? And is that really, you know, the most effective way or the, or really critical to what we're doing? And getting into project-based learning. You know, where where you give the kids a project to, you know, run through in a week and see where they see where they take it. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's fascinating to see what some of the students are doing with the distance learning. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it really has. I mean, it just really has made, like I said, just had me stop and think yeah. what's really important for my students and am I, have I been overloading them with things that they don't really need? Um, they're, they might be fun, but do they really, you know, progress them, you know, like they need to be. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be something I'm hoping, you know, cautiously optimistic <laughs> that we will be back in school in person, uh, in the fall. Um, so when we when we do see them again in the regular classroom, because I do believe that's going to happen. I don't yeah. think this is like nobody wants this. Right. Nobody. Yeah. The kids Correct. don't want it. The teachers don't want it. The parents don't want it. Save us. Um, they, <laughs> they, they're done. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, so I know when we go back to the classroom and we return to that traditional model of teaching, um, I hope some of this innovation that we've been forced into is going to carry over into some exciting innovations in the traditional paradigm that we have of, of education. So, kind of, uh, you know, we're a little slow sometimes to change. And so this has really forced us to do a lot of changing. So, fast. so speaking of fall next year, are, mm-hmm. are you worried or concerned or thinking about what happens for you know, you're incoming the fifth graders this year who are coming to you yeah. next year. Um, yeah. Like, are you 
I mean, as just as a parent, I'm like, gosh, are they going to have to redo everything? You know, our, our sixth grade teacher is going to have to really spend a, a lot more time reviewing fifth grade content. You know, our seventh right. grade teacher is going to have to spend a lot of time reviewing sixth grade content because everyone lost, you know, not completely, but partially and some kids completely this last yeah. couple of months. Like what, right. what does that look like in the fall for you? Have you thought about that or what is that, you know, what do you, how do you think that's going to play out? Yeah, it's, it's something I've considered, obviously. And mm-hmm. I know that other teachers are thinking about this too. Um, you know, I think we're just going to have to go in this next year with some grace with our students and yeah. what we would assume that they would come in, um, having mastered. I mean, we already review as sure. it is right, right. because of the summer months, but this is like a five month summer, right. like three month summer, but like too much two months of like semi-summer, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's this weird things that we've never, we've never had to deal with before. Right. And so, yeah. So thinking, you know, we're going to have to give our students a little extra grace and we're going to, I think my, my philosophy on it is I'm going in and saying, thinking, okay, they've been introduced to this information, but mm. they have not mastered this information. Right, right, right. They haven't had that opportunity. So they've at least been introduced to it. Mm. So hopefully something rings a bell. <laughs> right. I think I've heard that word before. Right, I don't right. know if I know what it means, but I've heard it before. Yeah. Um, which that's something right. um, that I can work with. Um, but yeah, I might have to do a little bit of, a little bit of backtracking and yeah. spend a day or two teaching a concept that I would expect them to come already, sure. you know, comfortable with. So but, I'm going to uh, um, switch, switch uh, subjects on you just a little bit uh, to sure. you. Um, you were chosen to, uh, uh, as a Polar Trek educator and got to go for 32 days to study uh, climate change uh, in the Arctic on the North Slope of Alaska. Uh, with a team of yeah. researchers from Florida International University. Yeah. How cool was that? <laughs> it sounds um, awesome. Yeah, that was incredibly amazing. Um, that was probably the coolest thing other than, you know, meeting my husband and, and <laughs> starting, you know, yeah, starting that adventure with him, life adventure with him. Uh, other than that, that's probably the second coolest thing I've ever done in my whole entire life. That's so awesome. Um, but, uh, yeah, that completely changed my pedagogy, too, because as a science teacher, I'm thinking, oh, I'm preparing my students to be scientists. And then you go and live and work for 32 days in a field research station with actual for real scientists. And yeah. You're like, no, <laughs> I, was way off. <laughs> I have no idea what a scientist does every day. And so, um, you know, that kind of shifted my focus and helped me to, I think, embrace even more fully for science. We have our three dimensions of, of science learning. And I think that really helped me to understand even more deeply what yeah. it means uh, to prepare my students for that, that world of scientific thinking, which doesn't mean that you're going to be a scientist. Sure. You use scientific thinking everywhere. Right. So it really kind of expanded that. And that's a, you know, a partnership that's continuing. I'm hoping to go back up with them again. They're writing a grant to include me as an educator to oh, go on fantastic. another shorter trip in the winter with them. Um, so that's a continuing relationship. And I think for, for teachers to find um, opportunities like Polar Trek, which is open to any middle school and high school teacher, you don't have to be a science teacher. Anybody can apply to Polar oh, cool. Trek. Um, 
finding um, opportunities like that, that, you know, even though I'm 18, I'm 20, 20 years of teaching, there's always something more to learn out there. And there's always something to reignite the passion Mm -hmm. or to find a way to change your, your philosophy of of teaching should always be evolving. And, you know, you have your core beliefs, but the methodology should always, always, always be, be moving. And when you're not willing to do that anymore, perhaps it's time to, you know, move on and Mm -hmm. choose another career or to retire and enjoy your life and (laughs) find something that fills your bliss. Kind of just how I feel about that. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I think that's going to be a challenge right now because conferences and all kinds of professional development are, are canceled for teachers. You know, we can't gather more than 10 people. So, um, you know, yeah, I did a, a conference over spring break that was all virtual on zoom meetings and I am impressed with your focus (laughs) yeah it was fine it was it was lovely um but it's different it just was not the same as you know being there as hands-on yeah yeah and you miss you miss those interactions with colleagues just casual things where you're like oh hey where are you from and and how do you do this yeah yeah you just miss out on conversations right things get boring and don't apply to you and you turn to the neighbor and talk to them you know because we're as bad as our children right (laughs) we are the worst (laughs) in professional (laughs) development we are the worst yeah so i mean like that's going to be a challenge for teachers too. I know that there are teachers, um, their districts are requiring them to continue with their professional development in this Mm -hmm. setting. And that's going to be a a challenge to seek out those opportunities. And I know OEA is, is working to provide those for, uh, for teachers. And so, you know, make sure you check out the website, but, um, as those things get planned, um, (laughs) yeah, a little plug there, you know, (laughs) I'm a company woman. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. I I mean, teachers in, I mean, everywhere are just absolutely slammed working crazy hours. So we know that your time is very valuable and uh, we appreciate it very much. Yeah. And I appreciate the time and I appreciate you guys, um, you know, having this conversation with me, but I know that I'm just one of thousands of teachers in Oklahoma. Yeah. And what I'm doing is not any different or more spectacular than anybody else is doing. Um, But I appreciate you letting me tell my story. Yeah. Thank you for representing teachers across the state, Melissa, and for all that you do. Thank you very much. All right. We'll talk to you later. And welcome to Alicia's Morning Announcements, although we're recording them closer to the afternoon. (laughs) still counts. It still counts. (laughs) All right. So um, all this week and into Monday and Tuesday next week, we've been doing virtual zone check-ins. So Monday is Oklahoma City and Tuesday is Tulsa. Mm -hmm. So those two regions, um, please check your edge and um, the Facebook pages and get information about when your zone is going to be uh, contacted to to give information. We are really looking for um, input from our members as to what your needs are and how OEA can best support you. And just this is a time for us to listen uh, to how it's going with you and this change in distance learning. Mm -hmm. Um, In addition, 
we are, uh, because of the things that we have learned on these check-ins, we're going to have our teaching and learning staff do an FAQ every Wednesday from 4.30 to 6. They're going to be doing those doing GoToMeeting. You'll be able to get the information off of our Facebook page, and it's going to come out in the edge this week Mm -hmm. how to uh, link into those. But um, we've heard from several regions that Google Classroom is a platform that they may have started using, but didn't get all of the information. Mm -hmm. So we're going to gear that time from 4.30 to 6 on Wednesdays as a time that you can call in with any question from Zoom platform to to Google Classroom platforms to uh, whatever platform you're using. And if we don't have the expertise in the room to answer that question, we will find it for you and get back. Mm -hmm. So as you are maneuvering through all the distance learning platforms, make sure uh, when you have questions to give us a call at OEA Wednesdays from 4.30 to 6, especially on that go-to meeting, and um, and let our staff help you maneuver through your questions. And the last thing that I want to talk to you today is about our distance learning page. You know, I can't talk enough about all of the great content that is on, uh, on our distance learning page, okeea.org. <laughs> dot arg. I turned into a pirate all of a sudden. <laughs> Let me try that again. Okea.org slash distance learning. Um, we've got everything for, uh, for every subject, um, including world languages, because I'm a Spanish teacher, uh, a little duolingo, a duolingo. Um, and in addition, we've got our links to Dear Oklahoma, our initiative to push reading for 20 minutes a day that kicks off every Monday at 10 a.m. And The Bridge. The Bridge are our Facebook pages that are in grade spans, and we have master and NBCT teachers who are putting quality content on those. Uh, love those pages. We've got pre-K 2, 3 through 5, middle school, high school, special education, ELL, and then our elective teachers are putting appropriate grade level content in on those pages as well. Carrie, have you, has your family used any of the activities off of the bridge? Yes, we've been, uh, we've used, um, I have a fourth grader and a pre-care, and so I'm in those groups, and uh, there was an activity we tried just yesterday that someone had posted that was this massive hopscotch that took like the whole length of someone's driveway and back. And so we did it on uh, the little sidewalk in front of our house and including letters, the whole alphabet that were each letter had its own little hop and our pre-K kiddo loved it and did it a million times. Wanted, when I say wanted, demanded that I take a video of it (laughs) and send it to her teacher (laughs) showing that she could do it. And um, it was such a simple, cool idea, you know, and we already had, chalk at home it was so it was free and uh where is a little tricky in the lmnop <laughs> circles <laughs> is that one letter or two yeah. lmno and p or she was distraught to find out they were all individual letters <laughs> <laughs> got a little tricky in the middle <laughs> but um it was such a good idea it was active it was literacy and that's not something i would ever come up with on my own and so yeah we've been we've been following along and doing some of the choice boards and all kinds of there's really good 
ideas that I think are very, as a parent, are very parent friendly that are like, here's something simple and free. You don't need any special tools or any special, you know, just stuff that you can do at home just on your own and not. You can MacGyver it. Yes. And we totally MacGyvered our massive <laughs> hopscotch. So um, I'm pretty sure we're going to make more of those through the neighborhood. They were very, they, it was super fun. One of the activities that I saw on there that um, I want to do as a family is uh, there's a video that shows how to do five different types of airplanes, paper airplanes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, um, you know, I only know how to do one sad Same. little yes. paper airplane, Same. but these looked amazing. Oh my gosh, so I'm sure go, I'll lose the contest <laughs> to see which one will fly the farthest. Not moms. <laughs> be- because everything's a competition uh, between my husband and daughter. <laughs> Well, the good news is one of them will win probably. Yeah, because I have issues. <laughs> well, But that's a different type of podcast. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. We hope you'll join us again each week on Fried Okra. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education. <laughs>